You're about to hear a message from our lead pastor, Michael Signorelli. Prepare to go, C1. We are in an atmosphere of, of encounter. Can you just say that word, encounter? Now, an encounter is when two people meet. And sometimes that encounter can be intentional. Sometimes that encounter is unexpected. When you are here in this room, I believe that as you begin to sing these songs and just speak the words of those songs, maybe some of you in this room had an unexpected encounter where you thought to yourself, you know, I don't think it's just the, the music anymore. I don't think it's just what I'm feeling physically. I, I think maybe spiritually I'm beginning to encounter God. And I just want to tell you, every single Sunday at V1 Church, we facilitate time for you to encounter God because if all it is is just hearing some inspirational talks, you can binge watch TED Talks and you can learn something from from those talks and extract their wisdom and knowledge or if all it is is good music i mean our hq in amityville is right next door to revolution you can go see your favorite touring band and get get some of those same feel-good experiences but if i can get you into a place where you can have an encounter with the very one who made you and we can invite the holy spirit into this room you will be forever changed is there anyone here who can say that I have truly been changed by those encounters I've had with God? Anyone? You know, God is here. Our guest of honor every single week is not a man with the title of pastor or somebody who can shred a guitar. Our guest of honor at V1 Church will forever be the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is actually more real than you or I. And the reason why I can say that is because there's a part of us, this flesh and blood, who eventually will all pass away, but he is the one who was, the one who is, and the one who is to come. And as we make space in our lives and in these services for the Holy Spirit, his tangible presence begins to manifest, and you suddenly realize that you're not alone. And for those of you who are already leaning in and getting ready to take notes, can I just give you your first wisdom drop is that all loneliness produces fear. The root of all fear is loneliness. Because there's just something about being on the playground of life and having all the bullies calling you names and shoving and pushing you around. The bullies of obesity, the bullies of molestation, the bullies of divorce, saying things to you, convincing you you're something you're not and pushing you around. And when you're in that place of isolation, it produces so much fear. But when your dad could show up on the playground of life, somebody bigger, somebody stronger, somebody whose voice is louder than their voice somebody's arms who are stronger than their arms can show up there's just something about that presence that begins to vanquish the fear that's produced by loneliness and when you get into worship suddenly you become aware I'm not alone anymore I'm not alone in my finances I'm not alone in my relationship and he steps into the room and so we will always 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 make a place for God to enter in a tangible way. 
And this sermon, this message, I want to dedicate it to the one who has already called yourself out of the game. I want to seriously take a second and, and I just want to give this sermon to the person who said during worship, I just simply can't be that kind of person. Or who maybe watched Evan in your, in your 20s or maybe watched the different ones in the band and watched the people in security and said, you know what, I, I'm just going to do this one time and check out. I don't know if I'm going to come back to this church because I'm that not that type of person. And the reason why I want to dedicate this message to you is because when I read this book, and I've read it several times in different translations, the message that emerges over and over and over again is this is a kingdom of misfits perfectly placed in the presence of God. And that God writes straight with crooked lines. And God takes the things that don't make sense and the foolish things of this world and uses them to do the impossible to convince everyone that he's God and we're not and he's in control and he has a plan even when we don't and so if you're here and you're saying you know what when everyone prayed and lifted their hands not me God says you're about to be the main one you just don't know it yet you know how I know that because when my family would get together and worship when my family would get together I hated going to church I would hide all the way in the back with my green screen game boy and I would try to shut out the world when I would hear people begin to pray there was a darkness inside of me that was repelled by that light and then at 15 years old, I made the worst mistake of my life. I did the dumbest, strangest, weirdest, most dangerous, scandalous thing that I have ever done in my life at the age of 15. No, it's not sex. You're all like, well, we believe that. No, it's not drugs. At 15 years old, in the stillness of my bedroom in Hammond, Indiana, I was reading the book of Acts because what nobody knew is even though I was the kid who never raised his hands and never prayed and hid in the back of the church, there was a part of me that was so hungry for this book. And every single night I read it and I read more and I couldn't get enough of it. And finally, at 15 years old, I get to the book of Acts and I hear about this moment in history called Pentecost where the Holy Spirit came into this world for the very first time and I did the dumbest, craziest, wildest thing of my life. I prayed what I feel like was for the first real time and I said a very simple prayer. I said, God, if you want me to have your Holy Spirit, I want it. And I'm telling you, it was like a wind begin to blow through that room at 15 years old. Up into that point, my mom had been divorced. I had gone through all this mess. I had gone through so much brokenness. My dad, I mean, I can't tell you all the horror stories that I live by. For me growing up, getting a Whopper Junior from, from uh, can you tell you where it's from, see? From Burger King was a thing of celebration. I can actually remember the first time I actually had a pizza that wasn't from the frozen section in the grocery store because we were that poor. It was like something to celebrate when you got a Little Caesars. That stuff's garbage. Sorry, Little Caesars. And I had been through so many horrors. I had been manipulated, controlled, abused, gone through extreme poverty. And then all of a sudden at 15 years old, I said that prayer, if you want me to have you, I want you. 
and my room begin to fill up with the fire of the Holy Ghost and a wind begin to blow. And I can't tell you it happened in the natural realm and the curtains came off the hinges, but I can tell you inside my soul something began to be rattled loose. And it wasn't soon after that that I began to preach. And, it, and people, were they marveled at it because they were like, this is that kid that never talks to adults. This is that kid that's so introverted. It's painful to have conversations with him. How the heck is he doing this with his life? Because God and I had an encounter. And so I'm going to talk today, part three of this message series. And today's message is actually entitled for your notes, Casual Encounters. And if you're dirty, you know exactly what that means. Well, all the dirty people said, well, are you looking around? <laughs> Casual encounters. You know, we've come to this point in our society where we've created this language about around relationship. And we actually have a language for meeting our sexual needs without the context of commitment. And we have branded it casual encounters. And I don't want you to do this, but you can go to Craigslist and go to the section entitled casual encounters and see a whole bunch of people who want sex without commitment. I mean, that's really. And then we've got this other term that we've invented called ghosting ghosting and it has nothing to do with the paranormal ghosting for those of you who don't know is a phenomenon where you invest your time your money on a dinner and you have a face-to-face -face interaction and encounter with a person and then you decide that they are not good enough for you for whatever reasons and then you just disappear like casper and you ghost somebody and, and we, we're just in this society where it's just like we say we want relationship, but what we actually mean is we want our needs fulfilled by relationship without the other end of it. And so what's been happening during No Strings Attached is God's just been bringing this alignment. He's been correcting some things. He's been putting some things back in order. And do you know, part one jumped off and we talked about how people want that level of commitment, but we know that the true definition of love is an act of the will because you ain't never going to feel like it. And love is not enough. Love will get you down that aisle for marriage, but it will not take you down the decades to stay married. Can I get an amen? You talk to anyone who's ever been divorced and they'll tell you, I love them enough to get married by Elvis in Las Vegas, but that love wasn't enough to sustain them. Why? Because love is an act of the will. Sometimes people stop choosing. And then last week we dealt with a very sensitive subject of forgiveness. Because anytime you're going to be in relationship with two imperfect people, you're going to have to learn how to forgive everything all the time. And for those of you who are engaged right now, who spent all the money on your engagement pictures, who frolicked through the park, you went to Central Park. And you showed everyone how in love you are. And you draped yourself over the... Listen. <laughs> I just had to stop myself. I was really getting into that. You may be in love right now. In love. But I'm here to tell you that it is an act of the will. And the very person that you're about to say those vows to and dedicate your life to will be your worst enemy, the worst enemy you ever had in your life. I want you to think about Jessica from the third grade who stole your boyfriend on your lunch hour. I want you to think about all the people who did you wrong. Your own spouse is about to be a worse enemy more than they ever were. Three times a week at least. 
And we must learn how to forgive. I had people posting up online last week about the message and saying that, you know, and I heard this actually from multiple people, both like private messages I got as well as messages I saw that there was a level of anger in this room as I communicated about forgiveness because it was just causing people to think about and go back in the down memory lane and say, man, how could I possibly, and, and, but they knew it was God's prompting. And did you know there are so many testimonies of freedom that came out of last Sunday? Can I give you one of mine? I have a close family member who there has just been some enmity between us. And after hearing that message, they called me bawling their eyes out, asking to restore and reconcile our relationship. Isn't that amazing? Come on. Yeah, you can clap for that. So there was a lot that's been happening. So if you have missed the last two weeks, I implore you, go back, listen to the podcast, feed your soul, and lean into what God's got specifically for this house, for this region, through this church. You know, the purest form of the gospel is the statement that you have to forgive them for the unforgivable if you truly believe that Jesus forgives you for the unforgivable. And there's no way out of that equation. Are you ready for part three right now? Yeah. So we're going to take a look first at... Joshua chapter 1 verse 9. You can turn there in your Bibles with me. And now there's this this man named Joshua who kind of had this feeling he was destined for greatness. Maybe someone like that's in the room right now. And, and, and he had this divine encounter. And Joshua 1.9 says this. Read it with me. It says, be strong and courageous. Do not. Everyone say, do not. Be afraid. Do not. Everyone say, do not. Be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. The root of Joshua's fear was loneliness. And he needed to have an encounter with God where God reminded him, you will never be alone. Because I am with you, you can take that promised land called Canaan because I am with you. And there's so many people every week who say, I've got these dreams and these visions and things I put on the shelf until I came to V1 because the thought of me doing it alone was paralyzing. But being surrounded by people empowered me and made me suddenly realize I can do it now because the source of their fear is loneliness. And there's a pattern as we begin to dissect these encounters that God has with people. And and I want you to write this down. Number one is this. When you know that you've had an encounter with God, you know this because he first confronts your insecurities. When you're in worship, when you're in prayer, when you're driving your car and you got to pull over on the side of the road because you're crying so much because the room's filling up with that familiar presence of the Holy Spirit, you know that you are having a God encounter, number one, because the pattern of his encounters is that he will always confront your insecurities. You know, he showed up to this man named Joshua and said, be strong and courageous. You know why he said that? Because Joshua was struggling with some fear. Joshua was in need of courage. But then here's the revelation number two. He was able to say, do not be afraid because fear is a choice. Allison spoke about that. Fear is a choice. God could not have the right to command you not to be afraid unless fear was a choice. Now, danger is real, but fear is a choice. 
You know, the danger of you rejecting the word that I have for you is real. The danger of you looking at me and hearing me and judging me and thinking that this couldn't possibly be from God is real. But my choice to feel that fear and to choose not to pick up this microphone and boldly declare what God gave me, that's a choice. I'm just the messenger. You know what I'm saying? And in your life, if you're in this room and you've, maybe there's a Joshua in this room, maybe there's somebody who's thinking to themselves, I just feel like I can't do this because of this. I'm telling you, you know you have encountered God because the first thing he will do is confront your insecurity. And the second thing he'll do, and you can write this down, is God will always take away your right to your insecurities. Maybe you're Moses who stutters, and God will say, I've got the perfect assignment for, for you, stutterer. I want you to go in front of the highest position in the land and deliver my word. Maybe you're here and you've got a reason as to why God couldn't possibly use you. The first thing that God will do is comfort you in your insecurity. And the second thing he'll do is take it away. And that's why I devoted this entire message to the person who says, not me. God says, yeah, probably you. Let's read this. Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 4. This is another pattern. We're just following God through scripture. He says this. He shows up and there's another God encounter. He says, the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. Do you know what Jeremiah was dealing with? He was probably thinking in his heart, my life just feels so insignificant. I was an accident. My parents had sex sometime and I was produced as a result of it. And there couldn't possibly be any more meaning than that. And some of you in this place, if you've got that thought, maybe you just walked in and you said, I, I don't know, maybe I, I was an accident. Maybe your parents told you you were an accident. And so what God does is he, when he first encounters you, he begins to speak to that insecurity. He said, before I formed you in your mother's womb, did you know that you had an existence before your body had an existence? Do you know that you have a name before your parents named you? One that God gave you? Because he's the one who gives life. Yeah, humans can get together and make a physical body, but only God can make a life. And he said, before you were even in your womb, I knew you. K-N-E-W. What does that mean? It means you existed before you thought you existed because I designed you for a purpose, on purpose. He says, I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. You know why God had to tell Jeremiah, I appointed you? Because Jeremiah was probably one of those guys that wasn't going to step on anyone's toes because nobody gave him the position yet. This is a Wizard of Oz moment where God says, hey, Scarecrow, I got you. Here's what you need to go and do it all you've got to do. And God will take away your excuses. Why? Because some of you are in this room and you're like, no strings attached. What does this have to do with it? Let me tell you what it has to do with it. You can never have truly a fulfilled, good relationship with another person until you restore first your relationship with God. Once you learn how to forgive, once you learn that love is an act of the will, and then once you encounter God, it's through that encounter he will begin to tell you who you are. And the people who love the best on earth are the people people who know who they are the people and you know why nobody clapped because very few people know who they are when I was 15 years old I was convinced that I was an introvert I was convinced that I wasn't one of those religious people who clap and raise their hands and pray and God was laughing the whole time because he said Michael before you were in your crazy Pentecostal mother's womb 
I knew who you were. I knew what you would do with your life. You know, some of the greatest people of V1 Church right now who are going to lead this church into the next season are the ones who are currently thinking in their mind that they shouldn't even be here, let alone do anything for God. But God says, before you were even in your mother's womb, I knew you. And then all of a sudden he says this, Jeremiah says, I don't know how to speak, I'm too young. And that's often what happens when God gives us a God vision, a thing bigger than what we currently think we can do. We give him every excuse we can. Now that I got the opportunity, now that we're having a dialogue right now, even though the view says we can't possibly be having a dialogue right now, God. He says, now that I've got you here, let me tell you everything that I can't do. And he says this, but the Lord said to me, do not, everyone say do not. There's that pattern again. Do not say, I am too young. Don't make excuses. You must go to everyone I send you to say whatever I command you. Do not. Everyone say, do not. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you, and I will rescue you, declares the Lord. If it's God's assignment, he will provide his provision for it. And he's telling the same thing to a different prophet than you skip through. And you see this man named Isaiah. Another prophet, God shows up, Isaiah, I'm going to use you to speak as my oracle. The very first thing that happens is this same pattern in encounter. Isaiah says, God, there's no way I can do this. My tongue is so defiled. How could I possibly speak a pure message through a defiled mouth? And God says, I got you. I'll do the cleanup. You do the mission. And a lot of times we say, God, as soon as I get my life together, as soon as I clean it all up, then I'll move and do what you call me to do. And God's like, no, 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 this is where you missed it. The cross says that you don't have the ability to clean yourself up. So why don't you let me do my job and you do your job? And so if you're here today and you're thinking like, well, what qualifies me? The same thing that qualifies me, it's the blood of Jesus. What can wash away my sin, nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And at 15 years old, I had read it in this book over and over, but I had not had an encounter with God. If you're here and you've been to the stained glass windows, if you're here and you've been to the movie theater repeatedly and watched everyone else sing, until you have an encounter, this will not turn into life for you. But if you will call on the name of Jesus before you get out of this place, he will wreck your life with his presence in a way that you can never imagine. God desires to suffocate you with his presence. And when you get the room and the atmosphere so full of his manifested presence, it's like the the fears and the darkness can't even breathe in it. Julie and I were youth pastors in Portage, Indiana for years. And you know, our heart was always to reach the unreachable and the people that everyone else considered throwaways. And in that particular neighborhood, there was a trailer park, but then if you had the guts to drive your car past the trailer park into the woods where you could see tire tread from the occasional car that goes back there, there was another portion of trailers and shanties and places without running water and modern plumbing. And Julie's heart just began to break and say, Mike, we've got to do something about it. It's not okay that the people are back there and they don't know Jesus. We've got to get in there. And so she had this this vision to get a bus. And she's like, we've got to get a bus. And so we started to drive that bus. And every single week we would drive back into those woods and we would pick those kids up and we'd bring them to meet Jesus. And I'll never forget this one time I was playing guitar 
And I just had a, a, a acoustic guitar, and I'm sitting down, and we've got, and this was our youth group, and it was 70, 80, 90 kids, and kids from the trailer park, the kids that lived in the woods. I mean, it was just this ragtag group of kids, and they all smelled so bad. We had to clean that van out every single week. But it smelled like heaven to me because Jesus met us in that place. And I'm telling you, I still have not had a greater worship service than I did with those kids. And I'll never forget this time I was playing the guitar in such a pure worship because they had nothing. They had no pretenses. You know, sometimes you can get into a place of depravity where you can't even fake people out anymore. And sometimes in your brokenness, the only thing that can come out of it that's so good is to say, I can't even fake it anymore because it's so raw. And it's in that rawness that worship can come out. And that's why we come here and say no perfect people allowed because there is no such thing. And so sometimes when these kids, they taught me so much more than I taught them because they didn't even have a a pretense about them and they begin to worship. And I'll never forget this time. And if you don't believe this story, I don't care. All of a sudden, we begin to play this song and repeat the words over and over and over again, over and over and over again. And breakthroughs started happening in the room. And I was wearing contacts at the time like I, like I did. And all of a sudden, I begin to see a tangible fog like a mist roll into that room. And now my initial thought was, it's, it's my contacts. You know what I'm saying? Because that's a common phenomenon where you, when you wear contacts. But then all of a sudden, the girl next to me who was singing was like, Pastor Mike, do you see that? Do you see that? And all of a sudden, as that fog and that mist rolled over the room, those kids all begin to go down to their knees one after another after another. And we stayed in that place and we cried together and things came out of us that no counseling session could ever give. And we just begin to be broken before the Lord so that he could just rip the darkness out of our hearts. And we stayed in that place. And I'll never forget how in my life, God just moved in such a tangible way. And so we get here, it's like, yeah, we love having $40,000 worth of speakers and all this craziness that you see. But unless God shows up in a tangible way we encounter him, you'll keep going after lust and perversion and pornography because you never got the real thing. So you'll go back to the counterfeit. You'll keep going back to the casual encounter because you haven't had a holy encounter. But when you have a holy encounter and there's no denying that God showed up in the room, there is no substitute for the real thing. And you're trying to compare the love of your life against a standard that doesn't exist in your heart because you've never met true love. But if today, before you get out of this place, you can meet true love, nothing else will satisfy. Some of you've got friends and you've tried to tell your friends you shouldn't be with that guy. Why do they keep going back to that guy? Because they've never read or met a real man. But if you can learn how to love somebody so well, like the whore that poured the oil upon Jesus' feet, they couldn't understand why Jesus received it. And he said, those who are forgiven much love much. It's pure worship. It's pure worship. And I'd rather be the whore at Jesus' feet pouring out everything I've got than the Pharisee who's judging it. And I told myself, God, I cried all week right in this message because I said, God, like you showed up in Portage, Indiana with those kids when we used to go in the woods and pick them up, show up at V1 Church this Sunday because I'm tired of religion. I'm tired of tradition. I'm tired of going through the motions. I'm tired of trying to preach a good sermon, but they don't know you. If you don't know God, you missed it. It wasn't my fault today. Can you stand to your feet with me? 
some of you are like, why is this guy preaching so hard? Well, let me tell you, I believe that we're in a crossroads right now. I believe that your life is in a crossroads. Some of you have heard too much truth right now. You are accountable for what you've heard already. And you've been having these casual encounters with God. But God is saying, I don't want to be casual with you. I want all of you. I want to just absorb your space. I want to invade your house where your family lives that doesn't understand. You know, you can get to a place where people who aren't even believers will say, I don't know what's different. Something's different in this room right now. I don't understand what's happened. You know, when this church first launched, there was a guy named Ivan who came up for prayer. And I looked to him and I said, Ivan, I don't even know you, but I see a book open and it's the Bible and there's light emanating from that book. And there's all these men around you and you're teaching these men. And Ivan stood back and he was like, whoa, dude, I just got done preaching a Bible study to men this morning. You know, and then all of a sudden we got Ross who's in a living room and they're watching the live stream from our home church and they begin to pray and his deviated septum pops open. And the first thing that comes out of his mouth is a hallelujah. It's a cuss word. Holy F. You know, this whole thing that you're, you're in right now, this is all based on signs, miracles, and wonders. This whole thing, there's a prophetic dimension of God's spirit that is open over this place. The heavens are open over this place. When you come in, that's what you're feeling, is God is trying to encounter you. God is trying to encounter you. He's knocking on your heart, and sometimes it's a gentle knock, and sometimes it's Mike Signorelli screaming on a microphone, but he's pleading with you, let me in, let me in, please let me in. I promise you, I won't do you like your dad. I promise you, I won't do you like your mom. I promise you, I won't fail you. Please let me in, let me in. And I can't guarantee anyone in this room that he'll knock for the rest of your life. I can't promise you, if you're in this room, that you'll get a second chance. Today is the day of decision. No more casual encounters. No more half in. No more one foot here, one foot here. And just because society doesn't know how to commit, doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit can't teach a group of people who can go all the way and change an entire region and change the entire world. Does somebody believe it this morning? I said, does somebody believe it this morning? I said, does somebody believe it this morning? I said, does somebody believe it this morning? Can somebody here just shout out to God? Now, I don't care what religion you come from or if you've ever experienced this before, if you will be faithful, God wants to encounter you right now. Close your eyes with me wherever you're at in your seat. There is no strategy at V1 other than encounter. That is the beginning, middle, and end of the legacy of this church is creating atmospheres of impartation from the Spirit of God. And if you're here and you're saying, I am done playing games and you don't have to have it all figured out, Jesus, can I just tell you without preaching the whole Bible to you that every single one of those disciples, the reason why we know that they were idiots is because according to Yeshiva in the Jewish school, there would come a point where they would determine whether you knew how to interpret scriptures enough to take on the yoke of the person that you were supposed to come up under and you would receive their yoke, which was their burden of interpretation for scripture. And you would actually learn in the yoke, in the way of that, of that particular man. 
And the fact that they were all working a trade, the fact that they were physicians like Luke, the fact that they were like fishermen like Peter was an indicator that they were Bible school flunkies. They were guys that didn't have a wherewithal to interpret scripture enough to be under another guy's yoke. So when Jesus walked up to the waters and said, hey, I know you failed Bible school. Hey, I know you're the dropout who couldn't figure out how to interpret, but come follow me. He was using a phrase to indicate, I don't care about your insecurities. I don't care about what you don't know and understand, but I'm going to do great things for you because I am the Lord that looks at the heart and they might be looking at the mind. They might be looking at the physique but I see the heart and over and over again God chooses on a heart level all the brothers who had a higher stature all of a sudden God says through Samuel the prophet there's got to be someone else on the back side of the hill oh yes it's David it's David he don't look like the one but he's the one and I don't care what you look like but God's coming for you God's coming for the atheistic Christian in this room he wants you he's coming for the one who doesn't understand he's going to make you and help you understand and to Today you can get in all the way. So with every eye closed in this place, if you're here, your first step to encounter, the Bible says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. If he's right now knocking on your heart and you feel it, can you just with a resounding yes, just raise your hand and say, yes, I want him. So many people in this place, come on. You can put your hands down. I don't know how people live without encounter. I don't know how Christians do casual encounter. I can't do casual anything if you can't tell. Some of you in this place have just wondered why, why this is your answer. To know God is to know you. To know you is to know your true purpose. To know your true purpose is to fulfill your destiny. And all of it begins with encounter. Heavenly Father, right now in this room, I ask you to begin to just come down in a tangible place. Lord, that people in this room under the sound of my voice are going to begin to fill you from the top of their head down to the very soles of their feet. God, we are not asking for a pious religious experience. I'm asking for an outpouring of your spirit on Long Island like never before. I'm asking that you would open up the windows of heaven and begin to pour out your spirit in a way that you never have before. I'm asking you for Pentecost here today. I'm asking you for cloven tongues of fire upon every single person under the sound of my voice. I'm asking you to save them, to deliver them, to set them free. Right now in the name of Jesus, I curse every spirit of suicide and depression and anxiety from the root and I break your power over every mind in this place. I bind up and put into captivity every single thought that erects itself up against the word of God. Right now in the name of Jesus, I reverse the curse that was spoken over their lives in the name of Jesus. Every tongue that formed a curse that said that they won't go, that they can't fulfill their destiny, I'll break it and cancel it in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you for your blood that is beginning to wash them clean, begin to do a hard work on them. Father, people who have been locked up, not able to forgive, I pray right now that their heart begins to release trauma from the past right now. If that's you, just begin to say thank you, thank you, thank you. Be 
begin to thank him for what he's doing in your heart right now. Father, people in this place who have just not been able to even have relationship because of crippling fear, Father, as they're thanking you, you're knitting their hearts back together, restoring, healing, every single broken piece. Father, I thank you for joy. I thank you for peace. Lord, I thank you for long suffering. I thank you for endurance. I thank you for strength pouring out upon your people right now. Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, if you are here and you want to accept Jesus right now into your life and be considered a true Christ follower, know it's not going to happen alone with a pretty prayer, but, but the prayer is a great place to start to make something right. If you're here and you're saying, God, I'm going in. I want to be known. I want to be counted. I'm signing up to, for that enlistment to join this army that's rising up. Would you just raise your hand here? Oh, come on. Okay, just open your eyes and look around for a second. This whole room is saying, I'm ready. Now that's dangerous. That's dangerous now. So I want everyone to just borrow my words right now. And before we close this thing out, we have the altars up there ready for prayer. We have pastoral care through people on our teams throughout the week. This is the beginning, not the end of what God's doing in your heart, but we're gonna close it out with a triumphant prayer. Are you ready? And we're going to celebrate some people who are going to say this prayer for the very first time. God is actually going to begin to celebrate the angels around. It's going to be crazy. So can we join them in that celebration after this prayer? Okay, so everyone just use my words. Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for encounter, for your presence, for taking away my excuses, for restoring my life. Today, I'm leaving free because I'm not alone. I've got you, and I've got your people, and I've got my purpose, and I've got encounter. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, somebody celebrate. Thank you for listening. Your experience doesn't have to end with this message. Visit us online at v1.church and send us a message. If you would like to help V1 reach New York and beyond, download the V1 Church app for iPhone and Android and click Give. Join us this Sunday for our weekend celebration. Directions and info can be found on our website.